Nation, welcome to another start of a Ron Don show. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 330 now of the Ron and Don show on the Ron and Don radio network. Hey, don't forget, we want to thank our friends at Les Schwab for sponsoring today's show. And Ron, they have something really cool going on right now. Yeah, they're doing their uh, annual food drive with Food Lifeline. And so you can just drive into any store, bring some non perishable food items. Someone will come out and get it from your car. You don't even need to get out of the rig. And uh, you can also check out all their tire specials, but they want to make sure that nobody goes hungry this holiday season. That's going on right now at every single Les Schwab tire center. Yeah, also this holiday season, Ron and I will be working. A lot of agents take it off. We don't. One of the best deals we made last year was a home that we bought for one of our clients for $550,000 of mid-century modern on Thanksgiving Day. We bought it because there was nobody else paying attention. We were the only buyers. We came early. That house today, you guys, is worth $200,000 more. And if they would have hung on to that house and sold it the first part of the year, it was probably at that time worth $100,000 more. So anyway, we like to shop. But to go shopping, you have to have leverage. To have leverage, it's really important to be underwritten, right? Yeah, go to Mitch.Loans right now. He's a sponsor of the Ron and Don Show. He can get you pre-underwritten. Also, you save a half a percent just for being in the Ron and Don Nation. Average savings of $3,000 U.S. right back in your wallet. Wow. So cool, you guys. That is just so cool. Hey, by the time uh, you listen to this, Halloween is just past us, right? I uh, hope everybody had a good trick-or-treat. I wrote something, and I sent it out on our newsletter, and I want to share it with you. It has to do with real estate, but it also has to do with our kids and trying to figure out a way to pay for their education because educations today are so damn expensive. And we are seeing uh, an acceleration, especially young men in America, that aren't going to any kind of secondary school after they leave high school not even a trade school, which is pretty shocking to me. And a lot of times, the reason for that, they don't have the money to do it. They don't want to go into debt. They've seen their parents go into debt, and they, they're not able sometimes to pay off all the debt that they racked up uh, going to some kind of secondary school. And so as a result of that, some of them are just jumping in the unemployment line, and they're on vacation right now in Switzerland, and why wouldn't you be? Anyway, I, I wrote this because... I think a lot about, you know, 10 years from now when it's time for my son, well, not 10 years, eight years from now, it's time for him to go to college. Will I be able to pay for this and afford this? And I've always thought about this even the day, even before he was born. It's one of the reasons I bought the house that we're sitting in. And it's one of the reasons that I bought another house that's actually my son's house. So I wrote something. I'm going to read it to you. I want to get Ron's reaction. It's called Why I Bought My 11-Year-Old a House by Don O'Neill. It says, uh, hey, everyone in the Ron and Don Nation, I hope you're having a great fall. Kids are back in school now, and I also hope that you had a great Halloween. Now, if you're like me, you probably had to head outside. Maybe you've done some raking, some cleaning, some bagging due to the pretty severe storm we all just experienced in the Pacific Northwest. And as you can see from these pictures, luckily I had some help. It's a picture of my son and myself 
Uh, and we went, we cleaned up some job sites that I have some investment money in. And then there's a particular house uh, up on Queen Anne, up on the, at the top of the hill. It's a little house with a cottage in the back. And I'm a 50-50 partner on that. Uh, but I also, I have Airbnbs in there. I control, manage the Airbnbs. And it also means that I have to go by and take care of the yard. And this is one of the first times where, because sometimes... You know, if we have to do six hours of yard work, I'll have my son do an hour and then I'll let him sit maybe and read a book or play some video games or do some homework or play with Charlie. But this time I told him, I said, hey, man, you're 11. You're about to be 12. You're going to come and you're going to work all uh, six hours uh, with me. So anyway, there's some pictures that I put up. And again, you'll see it in the newsletter. If you don't have our newsletter, uh, sign up for it at ronanddonsitdown.com and I'll send it to you. And it's just us out on a fall day and we're raking some leaves. So uh, I go on and say, this rental in Queen Anne is actually owned by myself and two of my real estate mentors. And even though my son is charging me $25 to help with a full day of cleaning, what he doesn't know is that the house that he is currently cleaning 50% of it actually belongs to him. Not only will he own part of it someday, but this home will actually be used as a vehicle to pay for his college education or maybe to send him off to a trade school or a tech school or even start a small business. So who did I learn this from? I learned it from one of my business partners who's a very active real estate investor, a developer, and a real estate owner. He's also a great dad. He has two kids of his own. Instead of investing in 529 plans, what he did is he saved and he invested that money in real estate for their college educations. Those rental units today are currently paying for both his kids to go to school. And he explained uh, that I could go the traditional route of using a 529 plan to save for my son's future, or I could do the untraditional route of saving uh, for college through a rental home or a rental property. If you don't know what a 529 plan is, I write about the 529 plan and what that means. It allows you to set money aside that is tax deferred. And as long as you use that money for your child's education, and just to give an example, if you were to save $200 when your child is first born each and every month and you invested that in kind of an aggressive mutual fund, at the end of 18 years, you would have about $44,000, right? If you put that in a 529 plan and you use the tax benefits in a 529, that soars to $77,000. Once you spend that $77,000, though, that money is gone. And I go on, Ron, to talk about in the article, if you were to take some money, though, and stick that in a rental unit and you're able to cash flow that, well, number one, not only do you now receive the cash flow each and every month from that rental unit that then you could continue to put that in a bank account or even a 529 plan if you want to do both, then you also have the power of an appreciating asset. So think about if you were to buy a home and then 18 years later, what would that home be worth? So you have the appreciation of the home, you have 18 years of cash flow, and then depreciation, which allows you almost three decades of a write-off because that that capital uh, Im- the capital improvements that you have done to this particular house and also the house itself, uh, the tax code sees that as a house that's going to need maintenance and it depreciates. And as a result of that, that's another huge tax write-off for you. So you get the power of appreciation, depreciation, and the power of cash flow. And guess what? 
at the end of all of it, you own a house. So you have this house where you can pull money out of that to go ahead and pay for your kid's education. And after you've paid for that education, you still have a house that may be paid for or mostly paid for. As a result of writing this, I've already had two people write, uh, reach out to me and they said, I never thought about this. Uh, one of my friends just had a little baby and they're like, let's go find a rental, a rental property for little Addie. So we're going to go find a rental property for little Addie. What, what, what say you on this strategy, Ron? I think it's outstanding. And I'm, I'm excited for your son to know that. And, and I think, you know, you've, you've sort of not, because of his age, doesn't really understand it. But I think going into his teenage years, you're going to reveal this. Obviously, you're talking about it today. And I try to think about that. If I was a kid, a teenager, and you could walk by, like that house is within walking distance of this house. You walk by that on your way to the grocery store or the way to pick up some uh, you know, game night and go, I own half of that. Yeah. And you start thinking about it, and you can look it up on Zillow or on Redfin and see what it's worth and do the math and start to understand. Like there's so many life lessons when it's a physical object versus when you have a savings account, like you go in there to the bank or whatever. And it's like, okay, I have this, there's some savings account somewhere. But I think as a kid, you're, it's so much more tangible to go, this is the house. Yeah. And if we take care of this house, it's going to do these things for me. And you could also think, hey, when I'm 20, one, maybe I move into this house. Yeah, like, it's kind this of, would be cool for me to live here. It's kind of interesting. He loves this house. He doesn't know what, what Ron just shared, and I don't want him to know. What I want him to know is how hard it is to make a dollar. So when he made this $25 uh, the other day, he worked for six hours. He's only making $5 an hour, and he did some really hard work and some really tough stuff. That's what I want him to know, the value of a dollar. So one day when we use this as a vehicle to help pay for his education, it's not something that's just handed to him, but it's a place where he's worked, blood, sweat, and tears. At some point, we're going to pop the walls out and we're going to remodel this house and the little cottage in back. He's going to be a part of all that. And then as he gets older, it'll be revealed and he'll know that, hey, guess what? This house, part of this house is going to pay for your education. And this house ultimately, ultimately will be his house. What motivates me? I remember when I was 18, trying to get into the University of Notre Dame, trying to get in the University of USC. Really hard schools to get into. I really worked my heart off to get into those schools. Uh, uh, and my family just didn't have a lot of money. I got a half of a scholarship to go to the University of Notre Dame, about $14,000. It cost $28,000 back in 1985 to go there, Twenty eight grand, And I couldn't come up with the other half. I could now, but then I just, I didn't know. I just, I, I didn't have the financial wherewithal to get that, understand that, and figure that out. I didn't even have the money to get on an airplane and fly to Notre Dame to go to school there, and, and I was busy working three jobs. So I took another local contract, went to school at UNM, and then ultimately here uh, at the University of Washington. But I remember getting that letter, and it's it, it, Notre Dame is very small. It's only 7,000 students. And I remember going in and it said out of these tens of thousands of applications, you've been selected for the class of 1986. And, and to not be able to go, it's probably one of the greatest regrets of my life. Now, I don't regret it that much because I probably would have never done that radio show. I probably wouldn't have my son in my life, all these other things. So so I think it happened. It, it didn't happen to me. I still believe it happened for me. Uh, 
But that is a regret. I really wanted to go to school there. So I hope for my son that this will open up some doors. And at the same time, I don't want to spoil the hell out of him. I want him to understand the value of a dollar, like I think uh, all good parents do. All right. Anyway, uh, we'll see you guys on the other side of this. And if you want to find out more about 529 plans or read the article, uh, it is up on my Facebook page. Just look for Don O'Neill. We can send it out to you in the newsletter. And if you're ready to go hunting for a rental, you uh, just let me know. Ronadonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys, Ron and Don here. Just to remind you that the seasons are changing. That's right. We're heading into fall, winter. Here comes the snow. Here comes lots of water. And here comes lots of family road trips as we're getting ready to go to grandma's house. Don't forget with Les Schwab, and I've done this with my rig, as the seasons change, well, that means the road conditions, they change too. And so Les Schwab, they're introducing the new backcountry at Two, for the quieter ride, improved improved performance, and this truck, my truck, with these tires on it, it's amazing in a lot of the wet conditions, and I've been road testing these for the last six months. You're going to love them, you guys. Yeah, the right tires help you feel prepared for anything, and you can save up to $130 when you buy quad track tires with Les Schwab Tire Financing. The Backcountry AT2 is the newest tire in the Les Schwab lineup of heavy-duty all-terrain tires. Go into the store nearest you. Tell them Ron and Don sent you. The Backcountry AT2 will help make your driving adventures even more enjoyable. That's Les Schwab. Doing the right thing matters. I would definitely recommend working with Ron and Don. Completely satisfied. 100% guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> if you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. We are Team Greenland, and we sat down, down with Ron, Ron and Don. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, we talked about pricing. We talked about staging. We talked about location, about what the market was like. He gave us so much information. We would have a game plan and there'd be a team helping us and we went for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks to Ron and Don, we got the house of our dreams under asking price, which just does not happen in this market. And we could not be happier. Um, we wouldn't have been able to be where we're at in terms of buying and renovating a house without his expertise and support. Um, we got an offer, I think, day one, that was twenty-five to 50000 over asking. I'm like telling my wife, don't you think we should take this? And she's like, no, we're sticking to this. We're going to wait till that offer review, review date, like Ron and Don said. Waited till offer review date, and we had like seven or eight more offers and an offer 100000 over asking. With Ron and Don, you get two great minds that perfectly complement each other. You get the data and analytics. You get the creativity, the drive, and the energy. They are, they are the complete package. If someone asked me, in fact, someone did ask me uh, recently how we sold our house so fast. And I said, well, we had a great realtor team. And that makes all the difference. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Check out the nation news at runanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. As you just heard, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. So if you need us, just reach out, ronadonsitdown.com. And if you need help with a loan, just go to Mitch.loans, right? And uh, he has a very special 
special offer for all Ron and Don Nation. Yeah, if you're in the Ron and Don Nation, you save half a percent on your loan. It is an average savings of $3,000. And if your loan is a bigger amount, it'll be even more than that. Yeah. Crazy story out of Georgia. This trial is coming up. I want to see uh, what Ron thinks. I want to see what all you think. I'm just going to read from Reuters real quick. It says a pivotal defense argument. Of three white men on trial in Georgia for killing a jogger by the name of Ahmad Arbery. He's a black jogger. And they decided that they were going to make a citizen's arrest. And in fact, under a Civil War area law that was still relevant at the time that they made the citizen's arrest last year, uh, you were allowed to make citizen's arrests in the state of Georgia. And in fact, in, in many states, you're still allowed to do that. And it uh, has to, it takes us back <laughs> to the Civil War. Anyway, when the full fatal uh, encounter occurred, it's February 23rd, 2020. It was legal in Georgia for police to arrest someone who they had reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion. And that person, if that person had just committed a felony, uh, outcry over the killing led to lawmakers revoking uh, this statute in May. What happened is, Mr. Arbery, he was out going for a jog. He had stopped and he went into a house that was under construction. And they think he went in there to get a drink of water and then he proceeded on his way. As a result of this, this gentleman, his son, and this gentleman used to be uh, 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 a local sheriff and a neighbor, they grabbed their guns, they started to pursue him, and the reason they pursued him is they thought that he had gone in there, that he had stolen property, they stopped him, or tried to stop him, didn't want to stop, and as a result, Ron, they ended up murdering him. They took his life, and basically... What the defense attorneys are saying is even though you've changed the law in Georgia now, uh, when this happened back in 2020, you were still allowed to make a citizen's arrest. And that's what these three gentlemen were doing. They were just arresting a citizen who they felt had just committed, well, a local felony uh, as a result of this wrong. Uh, even though that the law has been changed in Georgia there's still some of these same laws that blows my mind uh, on the books around the country and especially in the South. Yeah, I mean, you, you, your first point is, uh, I think, to explain a little bit more. It, most of these laws were written to uh, recover escaped slaves. And when you look back to the Civil, era, Civil War era, um, if a slave escaped from a southern state and was moving around, uh, they wanted anyone that saw this uh, this escaped slave to be able to take the, the it into custody and return that person back to the slave owner. And so that's where the genesis of a lot of these, and in fact, the genesis of many police forces uh, were to enforce the rights of slave owners as human beings as properties. And so when you look back, and that's like one of the kernels that the movement to defund the police is about is that people said, hey, look at the history of many police forces in America. It was to protect slave owners and per try to recover their quote unquote property uh, when that property uh, had escaped from the plantation. And so this particular law had never been taken off the books in Georgia. And, and I think the thing that's going to be the extenuating circumstance in when you read this case is there are witnesses that will testify that these men, when they, when they were pursuing this jogger, were using racial terms as they were doing it. 
And so, and also it's unclear on whether or not he committed a felony. So I, I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've been by construction sites where I went into the construction site. And so I didn't feel like I was committing a felony. You know what happens at my construction site all the time? And, and I, he probably wasn't getting a drink of water. Uh, people stop by all the time and they use the bathroom. And we leave it unlocked because one of my sites is over by Discovery Park. And I've walked in two times on people that have yelled at me like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, well, I, I, I rented this Santa can that you're using right now because they thought I was just a jogger too and that everybody was using this. You'll have a lot of delivery people, a lot of delivery people uh, at a Santa can out back when I was building this cottage. And there was one week where uh, I didn't even have anybody on site and the Santa can was full and it's full because every time a driver goes by there from Uber or somewhere else, they would stop and go to the bathroom there. So people stop by on construction sites all the time. It's typically to go to the bathroom. So. Yeah, so but there, there are felonies that happen. You'll see people that steal copper wire or steal plumbing and, and try to use that money. That happens a lot. So I can understand being vigilant and looking at it. Uh, but these are the type of things... This case, and we've talked about it before, is racial covenants that we'll see uh, in particular neighborhoods when we pull title on a house. These these artifacts of Civil War era and artifacts of racial covenants and of racial things, it's very heartbreaking that this man lost his life. If you put yourself in his shoes, and it's interesting that the story even is written uh, biased towards the white men that are being uh, arrested, there's there's not really a narrative. Imagine what it's like to be jogging and you see uh, this construction site and let's just take it at face value. He saw that there was a hose bib over there and he went over to get a drink of water because he was hot. Next thing you know, three guys in street clothes are chasing you with weapons. Well, it's not even their construction site. So I just had one of my construction sites broken into and the guys went in there and they couldn't get into any of our boxes because everything's all chained up. They did get a radio. I can't imagine seeing a guy come out of my construction site with a radio and then chasing him down, murdering him, and then standing over him and dropping the N-word and everything. Because that's what these guys were doing. They were standing over his dead body and they were dropping all this filthy, ugly, racist, uh, horrible language. But you know what? At the end of the day, it'll be very interesting to see what kind of jury that you end up with in Georgia. There's a distinct possibility that these guys could go free. So even if somebody walked, my point, even if somebody walked out of that construction site with a bunch of stuff that didn't belong to them, it doesn't belong to you either. And even if it did, I don't think you have the right to chase them down the street and kill them over stuff. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, we got a brand new sponsor. Mitch Weeks is here from Home Seed Loans. If you want to find out more about Home Seed Loans, do what Ron did. He went to, he went to Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans, right? I did. And Mitch, your process, um, all ha- most of it happened online. You've made it pretty easy to submit all the documents I needed to get approved. That's correct. Yeah, we've made it really easy. Um, There's an online portal, and then we also have a whole team ready to answer any questions you have. The thing that I really love, though, is you've come up with a special program for people just in the Ron and Don Nation, whether we're buying or doing a refi. That's correct. Yeah, any Ron and Don Nation member is now part of our buyer benefit program just automatically. So our partnership means that listeners will save a half a percent on the closing of any loan. 
up to the sky is the limit, but that's an average of $3,000 on loans in King County. So that's huge. That is huge. So up to half a percent on a new buy or a refi. Go to Mitch.loans today. It's not a .com or a .net. It's Mitch.loans. It's a brand new sponsor here on the Ron and Don Show. The Weeks team, NMLS 1691573. Hi, everyone. My name is Therese, and I am a new team member with Ron and Don. When you're ready to buy a new home, I am a buyer specialist. Just reach out, and we will send a buyer's playbook that the guys wrote just for you. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, to the Ron and Don Show, episode 330. And again, we're licensed brokers. If you need us, let's sit down. Go to our brand new website. It's revamped, ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. And we can virtually sit down with you today. Paul McCartney, in the news a lot. And they say the reason he's in the news, there's a new book coming out, new movie coming out. And there's he a new has- Hulu special out that's amazing. A new what? Uh, there's a Hulu special with Rick Rubin. If you haven't seen I think it's called McCartney 321. It's Rick Rubin, the famed music producer, Paul McCartney. They've rented this big space. They have a, a really nice mixing console from like that you would see at Abbey Road in the middle. And then Rick has the original recordings up on, uh, up on the console. And then he lets Paul, not lets, him and Paul work the faders. And so you get to hear these songs in ways that you've never heard before. And so like Paul will go, oh, listen to this bass part. I'm really happy with this. Or this thing never made it into the song. I was playing this and then we decided to pull it out. And so they just they just talk about the music. They talk about the song. They talk about creativity. They talk about what Paul was doing, things that made it on the tape, how they recorded these certain songs. Uh, it's, it's shot in black and white. And it's it's really really good. If it's on it's on the Hulu's right yeah, now. Yeah, well, it's, it's it seems he really wants to set the record straight that he didn't break the Beatles up and that John did, but he does it in a really nice, cool, uh, loving, caring way. Because it seems like these guys, at the end of the day, they were all mates, right? They 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 it was a brotherhood. They had this connection, and they did something in seven years that a feat that that I don't think will ever be. Um, it may be mimicked. But I don't. You you look at that seven years of music and that catalog of music and the way that they took pop and changed rock and roll with it, uh, and they were such great live performers too. You see some of the pop acts today, and you go listen to them in a stadium, and you're like, like when you listen to Maroon Five, you're like, is this the same band that's on the record? Because they sound horrible, horrible. Adam sounds horrible when you hear them live. You're just like, is this a crowded house? Didn't you and I go to a crowded house and we're like, I don't remember if crowded house was bad or not. That was, that was, that was 20 years ago. They were loud and it was bad. So anyway, Aerosmith though, on the other hand, you could tell that those guys have done a lot of live gigging or something like Chris Stapleton grew up playing in bars. Cause they're so, so good when they get in a live show in a live situation. So, so anyway, McCartney has finally come out and said that he is no longer signing autographs. Cause he said, you know what? You know who I am. And I know who I am. So he's no longer signing autographs. What say you? I, I like it. Another performer, I think Kevin Hart does the same thing where he basically, his position is, hey, if you want a moment with me, I'll say hi to you. He goes, taking a selfie is just like some memento. If you want to, if, if my work has meant something to you and you want to connect, say hi. Hmm. Like, let me say your name and like greet your child. Or like give you a word. He goes, just pausing 
taking a selfie or me signing something. He goes, it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. He goes, if you, if you want to connect as two humans, I'm willing to do that, but I, I'm not a commodity where I just want to sign something. I think Paul McCartney is sort of the same thing. If you've seen him interact, and I even remember the thing he did with James Corden where he went back to Liverpool and they drove around. So great. He, he'll, he'll give you a piece of Paul, and he understands his place in the culture. Yeah. You don't need an autograph for that. You don't need a selfie. Uh, I think he wants you to go, oh, my God, I was, I was literally on Penny Lane and Paul McCartney pops out and he's walking with James Corden. And I saw Paul McCartney on Penny Lane and he said hello to me. The coolest. Like, the- that's the moment. And like, so just take the moment. Google the Late Late Show with Paul McCartney and James Corden because they do this thing where they go into a bar. Well, Paul used to perform with the Beatles. And Paul is there with a piano, but you don't see him because he's behind a curtain. And then they've set up a jukebox in the bar. And what people do is they go over to the jukebox. And the only songs that you can select on the jukebox are Beatles songs or wing songs. And so you put the money in. And then all of a sudden, the song starts playing. And people are sitting there. And they're just having a beer. Have you seen this? Yeah. And then the curtain opens up. And Paul McCartney is sitting there. And let's say that you pick Penny Lane. He's playing Penny Lane. And at first, people just aren't getting it. And 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 then the curtains close. They the the curtains close, and then they're like, "Oh my God, was that Paul McCartney?" Then they go over the jukebox. The band on the run. They begin to figure out these are all so so. It it probably took two and a half songs, so everybody knew and that place was packed. All we got to do is start keep going over the jukebox. The curtains are going to open, and we're hanging out with Paul, Paul McCartney. So anyway, I, I think I, I like that he's done that. I think that people fandom is is a weird thing, and and I hope that people get away from these mementos so much and just get into like, if you want to have a moment with someone, have a moment. Yeah. We, we don't have from all our years of working in sports with the Raiders, Cowboys, all that stuff. We have a couple things, but what the players really appreciated about you and I is that we treated them as peers in the broadcast business. A lot of times, because many of them were still players and they wanted to get in the broadcast business. So on a break, they would want to talk to us about how do you break into radio in San Francisco like you guys have or in a place like Dallas or Seattle. And and in, we didn't do the selfie thing because you didn't do selfies back then. But also, I don't think we ever and, and we got to we got to interview some really great, uh, important people. But when Jimmy Carter came in, we, we didn't ask Jimmy Carter for an autograph. We just had a hell of a conversation with him. So Yeah, we did take a picture, and I'm about 60 pounds heavier than I am right now. So I want to burn that picture. Had to bring that up. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show, episode 330. We really appreciate it. Thanks for giving us great lives. Let us be your real estate brokers, your broadcasters, and your friends. If you need anything from us, just reach out, ronandonsitdown.com. And if you're thinking about buying, selling, investing in 2022, now is the time to get started here in the fall of 2021. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time right here. Only, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only, 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 only. Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.